Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 underway. Wednesday edition is here from 6th and Peabody in Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Crew is all here. Jam Pack Show, Jay Cutler. Former NFL quarterback Vanderbilt's own will be with us in 20 minutes. Looking forward to catching up with him. It has been a while. It was the early stages of this show, the three-pack here, the trio, when uh, Cutler came on. It was like 2012, the last time we chatted with him. Uh, it would be cool to get him back on today. There was another time at the Heimerdinger Foundation Golf Tournament oh, yes. where our uh, engineer and good friend... <laughs> Told me I tested out how far how far does the microphone go and he said oh plenty far and I managed to get Cutler around the corner uh, and we heard I, half and of I it. talked to him for like six minutes <laughs> and then it came back and you guys were like yeah oh. we didn't hear any of that <laughs> I, I remember um, and this was like right after this is before well before our show started this was like right after his Vanderbilt days which I think ended in 0405 maybe right around there 2005 he was a rookie with the Broncos and he was back in town and we did a live remote at some like discount electronics superstore <laughs> I think it was some place that was just opening and Jay Cutler was there to sign autographs and had him on the old show that we were working on at the time I think that's the only time I've been around him in person. I know we're going to have him on by Zoom a little bit later, but that's got to be – and it's just crazy how, obviously, how time works. I, think, I feel like that was a few years ago. That was probably 16 years ago at this point yeah. that he was with the Broncos early in his career and that interview happened. Well, I'll go back to his senior bowl. So I was at the Tennessean during his senior bowl, with the, which the Titans staff, Jeff Fisher's staff, coached. And he agreed for the Tennessean to do one of those daily journal-type things, which you guys know entails like getting in touch with a guy, talking to him for three minutes, and transcribing that three minutes about his day into a box that's in the paper that is a big deal for the paper because you've got exclusive, uh, you know, the guy talking about his day, like a journal for four or five like consecutive days yeah. as if he wrote it. Well, if the guy is accessible, it's, uh, you know, a real treat for the reporter. If the guy's tough to get a hold of and your editor is like, where the hell is the Jay Cutler thing? It hangs over your head like an albatross every day. I'll let you guess which camp Jay Cutler was in in terms of the ease of getting that every day, but it was a stressful week. I'm assuming very difficult to get, get back in touch with him, for him to get in touch with I you. mean, you get it done every day, but it becomes a deadline item rather than a, oh, I'll knock this out early today and just check it off the list. IndyCar points leader Will Power, former IndyCar champion, Indianapolis 500 champion, he will be in studio with us today. That's coming up 
in two hours. Also, uh, by the way, an eternal member of the All Names team, Will Power, as a race awesome. car driver. That's pretty awesome. With the name be Will motivational Power speaker. is just almost too good to be true. He'll be with us uh, in studio today. The, the Music City Grand Prix downtown Nashville this weekend. And uh, it's the second annual event. And uh, he will be in studio to chat about that. Uh, and we'll discuss uh, the, the business and the, the sport itself. Um, sports lost a legend. I was going to say baseball, but it's uh, the entire sports world uh, with uh, the legendary Vince Scully passing away uh, yesterday. We, we will have uh, Steve Garvey on the show today, uh, an hour from now, to reminisce on the legendary career of Vince Scully. That's going to be a great conversation. Did Giants fans, their arch rival, even not like Vince Scully? I mean, I think he's got the respect of, of virtually everybody. I think it's hard to find any complaint. I, I don't know Vince how you Scully. didn't. It's just so elegant in the way he did it, so humble the way he went about it. And if you listen to old-time tapes, like I listened to the ninth inning of Sandy Koufax's uh, first perfect game, which I think was his fourth no-hitter, I mean, it's, it's flawless. And it's a one-man thing. And the spacing and the timing and the storytelling and the pauses he's willing to take to let the crowd tell the story, it's just textbook there are certain people that even today it's okay to just be universal about he's i, I don't know a single person that's ever had a bad thing to say about i the would man. say he's top five about universal. the man about his profession how professional he was about the quality of his broadcast regardless of sport i've been seeing all the tributes to him today he was on the call for the catch with the white clark and, and yeah. joe montana Calling an NFL game, and he wasn't. He didn't. He obviously synonymous with the Dodgers in baseball, but he was calling national baseball games. He called other sports. Just terrific all the way around. It, it really is. We talked about earlier this week losing Bill Russell, and how universally he is respected for the life that he lived, for the things that he fought for, but also for being a winner, for being the ultimate team player. And being a winner above all else. People are universal in that. Everyone is universal in their love of Vince Scully. I like that. It's, it's one of the things that's you know, not divisive at all to say Vince Scully is truly a legend. Well, it, it, the, other, the other thing last night, so I, I flipped over and watched the, the Dodgers game. They were playing San Francisco last night in San Francisco. And um, in the sixth inning, whenever the news was breaking, at least on social media, and flip over and, and watch the, the rest of that broadcast. And it, the, the focus was on how long we had him in the sport. Um, consider Vin Scully called Dodgers games with players born in 1916. Preacher wrote, he also called Dodgers games of players born in 1996. Wow. So, I mean, the, the span of his career and then the legendary calls... When you think of the legendary moments of Major League Baseball, he called three perfect games. Hank Aaron's 7-15, Buckner's error, error in, in 86, uh, Gibson's home run, and Barry Bonds hitting 71. He called that um, in, in 2001. And the, the way he went out is also legendary. The, the final broadcast um, with uh, just the poetic way he wrapped up that broadcast was sincere and yet, you know, the perfect 
Ben Scully. So uh, rest in peace, and we, we can't wait to, to chat with Steve Garvey about him. It's uh, not Steve, just a... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, he's not just a historical figure, but he called history. I mean, the, yeah. the Brooklyn move to L.A. and Jackie Robinson, uh, yeah. that alone being a guy who was, and that's at a time where most people were getting it through the radio. And, and for him to call that transitional moment in American history, that alone qualified him as a, as a voice of a massive moment. But, and then you're listing off the baseball moments. Yeah, I mean, I mean just to, incredible if you go back roster. in history and pull, class, you know, just you want to see certain moments. He's he's the voice of the the Tom. generation. That's why he was the uh, broadcaster of the of the century, you know, it, it, and rightfully so. I mean, it's just the the way he describes games makes you want to pick up a thesaurus and and start reading. Well, and you can always interact with the show, by the way, at OutKick360 throughout the show. Let us know your thoughts. Someone tweeting us right now and said, Vince Scully actually grew up a New York Giants baseball fan. And Giants fans have always revered him, just like everyone else. To answer your question, Paul, yeah, about that's good. even the, the hated Giants as a rival, it, it really is remarkable how everybody in our business reveres him, and he is such a standard of what – anyone would hope to reach in their profession with the way he went about his business. But it's not just professional standard. It's everybody loves the guy. I mean, you hear his voice. And even if you're, if you're doing a Vin Scully impression, it's out of love. You're never making fun of the guy. You legitimately love him. Harry Carey is loved, but I do think there are times where you make fun of Harry Carey because it's so ridiculous the way he'd call a game, right? It's just not the case with Vince Scully. Universally, everybody's well, everybody's in agreement. He's he's great. He was the voice of the Dodgers, but he was also the voice of baseball, right? Like he because he was so extremely fair in how he called a game. Yeah, and then he would call the World Series games and he moved to TV and did that. I mean, it was um, he became synonymous with the big matchups. So but, uh, it also makes me think of this, Matt Bushman. Uh, and I'm looking him up now. He threw very little. He made the majors. He threw four point uh, four and a third innings in 2016 for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I, I don't know how many outings. Three games. One of them was against the Dodgers. And Vin Scully told the story of Matt Bushman meeting his wife, our friend Sarah Walsh, and that she was a newscaster in Nashville, covered him at Vanderbilt. They ultimately wow. reconnected. And I remember listening to him tell the story about them. He's now a pitching coach or coordinator with the Toronto Blue Jays. I flipped over, I, I guess I saw on Twitter or whatever, heard him tell this story and thought to myself, my God, their whole lives, they're going to be able to, to look back on this clip of the Vin Scully telling the story about how they met. How cool is that? He was 96, which means he called his final Dodgers game when he was 89. Am I getting this, his age right there? I think so. He went on like a 2016 was lower his final schedule game. where he only yeah, called he was, home games and maybe a, a minimal amount. I feel like of home he games. made it to 90 when he called his last game, maybe. But yeah, well, it, 2016, and I think well, he's 96, yeah. correct? 94, 94 years old. Okay. So he was Absolutely revered. And 88 or So I, 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 you want your baseball team to have somebody of that ilk 
but it, it's never, uh, you know, I'm well, stuck nowadays, with John Sterling. We, we just move around so much in broadcast. Like, it, um, you know, Joe Davis is now the new voice of the Dodgers, who's also the Fox. He's now Lee, the new, National National he's now the voice of baseball he's Joe for Fox. Buck. He took over for Joe Buck. And um, so, so now maybe we see that transcendent uh, voice. But like John Shomby, I, I, I had no idea John Shomby was still doing the Cubs games. You know, he was on ESPN. SportsCenter had him on last night, and it, Cubs play-by-play voice. Like, they, guys hop around John so Miller, much. I think, is, is with uh, the Giants. I associate him with the Giants, but they're very few guys unless they make a national yeah. appearance. Like, I got to know Miller because he did Sunday Night Baseball for a long time, on which I thought he was excellent. And then, you know, they, they wanted to go a different direction, and he continued on with the Giants. I think of him. But also, nobody's going to start as young on it as Vince Scully did. So nobody's right. ever going to span that long a period of time with the team. I remember the uh, watching the the ghost of Flatbush. I think it was the HBO documentary about Brooklyn, the Dodgers leaving for L.A. and seeing footage of was it the Not Whole Gang? It was a Sunday morning TV show hosted by Vince Scully in his twenties when the Dodgers were in Brooklyn. With Pee Wee Reese and the players for the Dodgers at the time, and I'm thinking, you know, and this this documentary came out in like the mid 2000s, maybe 2010, right around there, and thinking about Vin Scully, the career that he had the entire time. I I, I tuned in a little bit to ESPN last night and saw Tim Kirchin talking about. It. He said, I mean, when you think of Dodgers, this is a legendary organization, not just in baseball but all of sport. He said f- three names come to mind immediately: Jackie Robinson. Vin Scully, Sandy Koufax. He said, if you ask me to name a fourth, I'm probably going to say Clayton Kershaw at this point in time. But he said, I mean, that's... Lasorda. That's where he is. You know, it's, it's, it's Jackie Robinson, it's Vin Scully, not even Sandy Koufax for many that are the... And he said, this a is an announcer. Before players a broadcaster a, we're talking about. A history-laden yes. franchise. And he said, that's not just me, a media member, saying that. If you asked any baseball person player, manager, anyone, they would probably put Vince Scully definitely second, maybe third at worst, at worst, of names that you would throw out for Dodgers all time. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up, Jay Cutler will join us. We'll talk offseason quarterback movement. Uh, he certainly knows uh, a thing or two about the veteran moving cities. Uh, Russell Wilson uh, headed to the franchise that Cutler once played for in Denver. We'll go there. We'll discuss uh, the tampering uh, uh, allegations, turned charges and penalties in Miami, another franchise he played for. Uh, we, we'll go ar- around the, the news headlines with Cutler and uh, catch up on some old uh, past memories too, maybe some, some terrible ones for Chad. Vandy versus Tennessee, maybe. There's, only, there's only one <laughs> that's terrible for me in that series. <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> to, well, was to, be, to be fair, oh, you know, okay. oh. one in three. Okay. Um, and, uh, let's, a great, let's not get carried away. And a great it's recruiting one. story as well we'll set him yeah, up for no doubt. from his Vanderbilt days. This is all next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 60 rolls on across the Outkick Network from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Sometimes the conversation just rolls right too good. into it the... Too uh, good. I feel like sometimes we're going to open the show and I'm yeah. just going to be mid-sentence. And that's when I fell off the boat. <laughs> and then we're back and we're back oh, on Outkick some, 360. At some we're going to be screwed on the, uh, yeah, the yeah, off-the-air Get the dump button ready, Colin. FCC be ready Park. on that dump button at all times. Problematic. We were discussing the pork Never chop, the pork chop uh, down at Perry's in Franklin. Which is um, one of the best meals I've ever had and the best piece of pork I've ever had. Which then prompted me, Hutton said, oh, Chad, you've been. And I'm like, have I? And I had to Google it and look at the building. And I, I've never actually been. We've talked about me going, yeah. but I've never gone. And now I'm craving a I pork I bet our job. guest has gone. Yes. Jay Cutler Probably. joins us. NFL vet, Vanderbilt's own, now with Outsider. Follow him on Twitter. Sometimes he tweets. At Jay has tweets. Jay, good to see you, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. I've been to Perry's a few times. That pork chop is good. It is. Oh, it the best so thing on the menu? That's what I, I tell everyone. It's unbelievable. It's, 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 they do a good job there. I tell you what, for being you know a steakhouse kind of out in the suburbs, they, they've, they've figured it out. How tough is it to order pork chop at a place that goes by steakhouse? Because that would be my challenge is to go away from a steak at a steakhouse. Well, I, I think, I mean, usually I go with my kids. So, like, they'll order a steak, I'll get the pork chop, and then I'll just kind of clean up the rest of it. So, you can do the best of both worlds. Chad, it's not that hard once you've had the pork chop yeah. to, go back. to have the pork but chop. But it's taking the, the plunge. first time. I got to get to the first time. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Jay, tell us what you're doing with Outsider and, and Shannon Terry and the, the entire group there. It looks really cool. Thank you. I mean, I, I think you guys probably know Shannon and that group pretty well. I mean, he's kind of been established in Nashville for a while with Rivals and 24-7 Sports. So uh, he kind of approached me maybe a year ago, and, you know, he had this idea of Outsider. And I think the way the kind of world was going with COVID and everything, everyone was kind of trying to get outside as much as possible and do some fun stuff. So we kind of launched this media lifestyle brand and, you know, Shannon's unbelievable at media and SEO and all that stuff. So like he can build it from the ground up. And, you know, I've been kind of trying to do the lifestyle stuff and we've got hats and, uh, you know, cupware. And I think we're probably gonna be launching a beer here in the next, hopefully month. Cigars. Um, I heard cigars. Cigars. Yeah. Cigars are there. We've got, I think we maybe have a cooler coming out. So, um, you know, we're, we're just kind of, I mean, technically we're still a startup. Um, we're here in Nashville and, you know, we're just doing some fun stuff. So it's, it's worked out well, I think for both of us. Let's go right to one of your former teams. And I know it's super early in camp and you can't take too much away, but reports coming out of Chicago are the balls on the ground. They're fumbling everything. The protection is horrible. What do yeah. you anticipate? And we've talked a lot, Jay, about, uh, young quarterbacks whose teams went out of their way to bring them receivers, to bring them prote pr protection. Philadelphia, Miami, the Jets have gone crazy to help their guys. In Chicago, no such thing. What are your hopes and expectations for Justin Fields and the new staff there? You know, Justin, I think he's a really talented quarterback. Uh, I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I mean, I think he's got to get better in the pocket. Um, it's hard. It's hard as hell. I mean, to learn a new system and and go with different coaches. So, 
as a rookie to second year to completely different language, there's going to be some bumps and bruises. That's just kind of how it is. So it doesn't surprise me. That's the reports coming out of there. Um, you know, and I think talent wise, they're, they're probably not as good on the outside. Um, they need some skill guys. They need some help around them. And you, you couple that with learning a new system, learning the ins and outs of the new coaching staff, you know, they might have a different schedule. Uh, it's just a lot to take on as a young guy. And I, and this is, been said time and time again, you look at some of the really successful quarterbacks and there's consistency there. They're, they're with the same coaches. They're with the same system. Um, they build it year after year after year instead of starting over. And that's what Justin has to do right now. He's starting over. Um, so, you know, you got to be patient. Did I see where they're doing a race downtown in Chicago, a street race? I know they're doing Nashville this weekend. Yeah, I think I they, I like NASCAR is going there or something. Um, well, I mean, I think that's the new thing because Miami did it. Um, Nashville did it last year. Indy comes, I think, Sunday. Yeah. Indy's here. And yeah, and then, yeah, you're right. Chicago's doing one downtown as well. That, that's going to be cool. I, I haven't seen the, the course, the, the track, but man, the, the setting next to the river and stuff should be awesome. Jay Cutler with us. Jay has tweets on Twitter. You can check him out at Outsider. Uh, among other spots, uh, if you're in the Middle Tennessee area or, or across the Southeast, uh, we'll, we'll get into some college in a moment. Uh, we were discussing briefly uh, yesterday the, the the everything going on with the Dolphins, the the tampering with with Brady. How common is it that agents and teams chat? We see we see trades go down. We see guys uh, agree to contracts even prior to the legal tampering period of free agency um, at a minute into free agency guys were agreeing to contracts. I mean, it's about keeping things quiet, right? I mean, I'm assuming you yeah. would, you would know a lot better than we would on how the chat goes behind the scenes. I mean, there's constant communication, whether it's legal or illegal, whether it's in the certain time frame for free agency, whether it's right before, um, you know, GMs and, and agents and owners, I mean, they're literally they're. I mean, it's a small circle whenever you boil it down. I mean, there's, you know, there's only so many agents, there's only so many GMs, there's only so many owners, and they all know each other. They're all going to talk. They're all going to wonder, hey, like, what's happening with this guy? What's happening with this guy? And agents want to get, you know, they want to get their name out there. They want to get the, their their guys' names out there and be like, hey, you know, this is what we're looking for. This is what we want. Uh, he wants to move. He wants to stay. So, um, you know, I, I think it's just part of the game. And obviously, you know, I think when you start dealing with, big time guys like a Brady or a Peyton, like you got to be a little bit more careful because they're going to attract a lot of noise. <laughs> Did you feel like you always had a working idea of the teams that really liked you across the league, just in random conversations you would have with your agent that he would always know, okay, if something goes South, here would be a trade partner. Here's a possible free agent destination. Did you always know that? Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of had a feeling for which teams liked you, which teams didn't like you. Um, but that is, but it's also now I think it's become more of a, you know, the the NFL is it's a retread organization. So you know, GMs and and assistant GMs and coaches and assistant coaches, they're all just getting retread over and over again. So if I'm my head coach and you're in my DC or OC, you know, at some point, I mean, there's only one guaranteed for the most part is you're going to get fired. So that DC or OC, they're going to get a job and they're going to hire me. So, you know, those guys all kind of keep in touch. So I, I think it's more of a, you know, almost a game of telephone with these guys that you've worked with. So if you've worked together and, you know, I'm the GM for whoever, and I've worked with somebody for, you know, at KC, like I'd, I'm, I'm going to work with him 
rather than work with somebody I, I have no idea about. You uh, guys are always kind of connected to their draft class. That was a big quarterback draft class with you, Vince Young, and yeah. Matt Leinert. How well did you get to know them just like through the combine process? And how much, as you saw them during your career, were you kind of connected from having been drafted the same class? You know, I didn't really know him that well. I knew uh, I knew Vince a little bit because through Steve McNair. Um, and then Matt was supposed to be trained down in Florida. And I went down there because um, I was like, I'll, I'll train next to him and see kind of what's what. Um, and he didn't come down there. Um, and then neither one of them threw at the combine. I don't even think they did anything at the combine. Uh, and then I, I think I played, I played both of them my second year. We beat them both. Um, and then after that, you know, it's just, I didn't, didn't run into it much at all. I ran into Vince a couple of times in Nashville, but, um, didn't have a lot of, uh, didn't spend a lot of time with either one of those guys. You know, I remember the preparation for that draft. A lot of the talk around you and the other two guys was, well, Jay Cutler looks great, but, but he was at Vandy, you know, but the yeah. overall record was this. But then yeah. people would also argue on your behalf and say, but he did this at Vandy. I mean, look what yeah. he was having to deal with. What are some of the things that Matt Leiner at USC, Vince Young at Texas, that really any quarterback just could not learn that you learned while taking those lumps at Vanderbilt with that program that they wouldn't know that you knew going into the draft? It's a solid question. Um, yeah. I think that it's, I mean, went through a lot of adversity at, at, at Vandy, you know, you had to make plays, um, you know, most of the time, the other team had more talent than us. Um, so we, you know, you had to, you had to go beyond it and figure it out and, you know, find your one-on-ones and understand coverage. Uh, I think some of these guys that come out that play at these big schools that are just surrounded by talent, you get to the NFL and it's like, Oh, wait a second. The other team's just as good as my team now, if not better sometimes. And some of these quarterbacks that go to these big schools and get drafted in the first, you know, five picks, they're going to bad teams. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, and they're, you know, most Sundays they're going to have to go out there and, you know, their team's not going to be as good as the other team. And you've got to figure it out. You've got to take some hits and understand that it, this is going to be a tough road. You're going to have to go to some adversity and you have to get, find a way to get to the fourth quarter and give yourself a chance to, you know, make enough plays that maybe you can win a game because, uh, the NFL, it, 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 it even it out and it humble you in a hurry. Jay, did you ever sign a contract that had language in it that stipulated indiv- independent study time during the week <laughs> no, for a game that was never included in one of your contracts? No, it wasn't. Um, you know, I, that, that language, I mean, we can all, we all, we know why that language isn't there. Um, you know, they, they want them to study more. Uh, they feel like maybe it's lacking a little bit. So that language isn't just uh, for fun. I mean, they put it in there for a reason. And um, obviously, I, I mean, monitoring that is going to be difficult, I think, for them. Uh, but, you know, they'll do it. They, they'll figure it out, I guess. The, the thing that, uh, that really sticks with me is if you if you have a guy who you know is not into the behind-the-scenes study on his own type quarterback yeah. – you still yeah. gave him the money, right? Like you're, you're investing in him, so you still like the the attributes of the quarterback. And I'm thinking to myself, what does four hours really mean in a in a given week for a quarterback uh, in terms of studying the defense? I mean, it, it's something. It's not the bare minimum, but I mean, if you yeah. ask me on on average how much I think 
uh, NFL quarterbacks study on their own, I would say well over four hours. Uh, to me, that's a very low, very low number to expect. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of downtime in an NFL day too. So like at lunch, you're in there. You know, you, you're usually one of the first guys in there in the morning, so you're in there. Um, you know, you usually stay a couple hours afterwards and you're watching stuff. And then, you know, there's during special teams meetings, you're, you're watching more film. Um, and then, you know, going home, you'll, you'll watch some more, but like, but if, if you're playing somebody in your vision, like you already have a pretty good idea of like what that, what you're going against. And there's only so many things you can do, um, defensively or offensively, um, you know, I, I I think that if you look at that contract and you want to speculate, I mean, he probably wasn't watching much film at all, you might guess. A lot of us are super high on Justin Herbert uh, as a guy that's going to yeah. join join this this list of very good quarterbacks, particularly in the AFC. Uh, are we on target with that, or is he getting overhyped, maybe? No, love it. Whenever he came out, I told my uh, agent, Bus Cook, I was like, go after him. He's a stud. He's going to be a stud. Um Big, athletic, uh, has a cannon, um, and as big as he is, and as long as he is, he gets rid of the ball pretty quick. Like some of those guys, get really long and slow, and he's not like that at all. And I, I think he's got a, uh, a really good upbringing. Good kid. Um, I'm super high on him. I really like him. And my my uh, my oldest son is all over the Justin Herbert uh, train, so he's usually spot on. Jay Cutler, our guest on Outkick 360, you know what it's like to be traded to an organization yeah. and, and find a fit with the OC. I don't, I don't remember who was there in Chicago before Mike Martz, uh, but it was Ron Turner. Okay, so it was brief. It was real brief. Whenever you got traded, yeah. Um, yeah. but in looking at at Wilson matched up with Hackett in the background in Green Bay, and now he's going to Denver. Uh, yeah. You think he's he's going there to to exceed expectations or high ones? Um, do you think he's able to do exactly what he was doing in Seattle and Denver based on the makeup of the offense, which looks pretty good considering that he's bringing back all of his receivers that were there last year and they, they're bringing back the same stable of running backs? I think it's a perfect system for him, honestly. Um, I think you look at Aaron, Aaron and, and what he does uh, and that getting out of the pocket, it's West Coast, getting rid of the ball, um, be able to play make. And, you know, they've got some dudes there. They've got some running backs. Uh, I think it's a great situation from him for him uh you know i think he's leaving a good offense team offensive team at seattle too those they had some dudes there too you know, they had some receivers so he knows how to make plays um and so i think this system it actually is kind of perfect for him I, I started off by mentioning three guys that have big off seasons in terms of what their teams did for him uh tua in miami wilson with the jets hurts in philadelphia if you had to bet on one of those three guys being in position to be a starter without much question in 2023 in his current situation, who do you who do you think's got the best shot? Who is it? Hurts two and who's the third? Wilson and with the Jets. Russ, Russ by far. No, you know, Zach, I, I, Zach, Zach Wilson. Sorry, say. Zach Wilson. Oh, yeah. Zach Wilson. Um, I, I like Zach Wilson too. I mean, I, I'm going to stay on the Wilson train. Um, I like Zach. I uh, Joe D there, the GM, um, Rex Hogan, some of those guys. They know what they're doing. They're, they're smart. Um, they know how to bring talent in. I think Zach Wilson uh, has a huge upside. Uh, the other two, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think they're different different style of quarterbacks. Uh, I'm not in love with Tua. Um, you know, they've got some dudes in the outside, and they're going to have to figure out ways to get them the ball creatively. 
but he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to extend plays like that. He's not going to he's not going to rip him into small small spots. Um, you know, they're they're different animals, I think. And I think Jalen has some, kind of the same thing as Justin has. He's got to figure out how to play from the pocket because um, at some point you know, that's what's going to come down to in the fourth quarter. Like whether you can make plays, whether you can move the chains from the pocket and, and throw the ball down the field. So when I, I think about quarterbacks that have that kind of perfect level of athleticism where they're not a quote-unquote running quarterback, they're more pocket guys, but they can't escape, and they could make a big play with their feet if they had to. Uh, I think of yeah. Aaron Rodgers, first yeah. and foremost. And honestly, Jay, I think about you at Vanderbilt yeah. and then your career in the yeah. NFL – uh, I'm not trying to get you to compare yourself to Aaron Rodgers and, and what he's accomplished, but I yeah. do sit back and think, if you were drafted one spot, you had consistent coaching, one consistent organization, what could have happened? Not that you're Aaron Rodgers, but what yeah. could have happened with that? Do you ever sit around and, and think about that or compare your style, at least, to his style? You know, I think our styles were, were similar. I mean, I think there's a handful of guys out there that, that can kind of do um, those type of things. And, you know, when I was in Denver, you know, that's what we did. And, and you know, Mike Shanahan, them firing him was probably was a mistake in my mind. Uh, you know, I think we were number two, number three offense my third year. And, you know, we we had some guys around us, but we were moving the pocket. Um, we were running the ball well, you know, on third down. We could pick up third and down and longs, um, you know, and we had a young squad. So, um, you know, it's fun sometimes to think about those things, but things happen for a reason. So, you know, here I am. So I'm watching a show hosted by our buddy and former intern, Lindsey Nance at Outsider. And uh, yeah. you're talking about your route to Vanderbilt from Santa Claus, yeah. Indiana. This is where I learned, Jay, that apparently Vanderbilt thought you were a tight end when they initially yeah. called to talk to you. Can, can you please explain how this happened? Yeah, they called um, the school, you know, that's like, that's like back in the payphone era and uh, get called down to the athletic director's office. And I forget who it was from Vandy, but they, it was, it was around Christmas break here. So it was late in the game. And uh, they said, Hey, you know, we watched your film or, you know, this is VHS. And they're like, Hey, you, we don't think you you're athletic enough to play tight end in the uh, SEC. And I was like, perfect. I don't even play tight end. We're off to a good start. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, who is this? And I said, and I go, I play quarterback. He goes, oh, here's our tape. Here's your tape right here. You know, I'll watch it. And, you know, <laughs> hung up and stuff. And I'm like, no chance this dude's watching anything. And lo and behold, you know, two, three, four hours later, they call. And uh, they're like, hey, it's between you and another guy. We've got to, we got to know by the end of the day whether you're, whether you're on board or not. And I, you know, I was in, I'm from Southern Indiana. So I was a Notre Dame fan, Big Ten. I had no idea where Vanderbilt was. And so go home, you know, get on the internet. That's like that old dial up days and uh, find out where Vanderbilt was. Call my dad. And he's like, Vanderbilt offered you? I'm like, yeah. He goes, call him back, tell him you're in, end of story. I'm like, I don't even know where this is. He goes, I don't care. He goes, I know where it is. I know the school. Call him back immediately. And so ended up calling him back. I think I had a basketball game that weekend. And then went, I think, the next weekend on a visit and, you know, showed up. Redshirted the first year and then won the job my redshirt freshman year and played four. And then you end up going to Neyland Stadium and winning, you know? <laughs> Not Did bad. That. That, was a, that, they were, that team was down. I mean, they were, they were, they were broken and beaten at that point, so – it's uh, it's amazing though. I, I I went to Tennessee and I was, 
I think, nine months old when Vandy beat Tennessee in 1982. And I was, was 20, I was 23 years old when Vandy won again in the series, yeah. and that was watching you beat Tennessee in that game. That was a, that was a fun game. Um, it, was, it was a great way to end it. Um, so it, it was, you know, Earl Bennett right there. I think he, he went – I think I threw the ball every time. I think we had a two-minute drill or so. It was probably a minute 40 to go. And I think I threw the ball to him every single play. And it, it was unstoppable. Oh yeah, I mean he was he. But we were putting him, we were putting him in the slot. We were putting him outside. He was uh, he was a heck of a receiver. I think it's harder to win at Vandy now or then. Now, by far. See, yeah. Van- I mean, it, Chad. It's an, I mean, Chad- especially in the SEC with I mean yeah. new teams and um, recruiting nil nil. Um, you know that's a, that's an uphill battle. We've really enjoyed our chats with Clark Lee. Yeah. We've had him in studio yeah. a couple times. Uh, whether you question the plan or not, the guy's got a plan. Like he knows what he wants to try to do at, at Vanderbilt, and, and he's been there. How often have you talked to him since he took the job? I feel like you, been, you'd be a guy they're, they're definitely going to try to get in the fold uh, to help out with things at Vanderbilt. Yeah, I've talked to him a little bit. Um, I played with him. So, yeah. you know, I, I know Clark well. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those – It's a, it means this is a talent-driven thing now. I mean, it's a recruiting game. It's talent, um, and that's it. If, if you can't recruit well, if you can't battle with some of these teams in, in, in NIL stuff, which which Vanderbilt should. I mean, they have so much money down there. It's just whether or not they're going to they're gonna pony it up and say, hey, we'll help get some of these guys. And, you know, they got to rebuild their stadium. Some of their, you know, some of their some, – some of the stuff is so outdated. They got to figure that one out. Um, so, I mean, they got a long way to go. It, it just depends whether the school wants to back these guys or not. Um, and that's been the problem in the past. You know, the school says, you know, we'll do this, this, and this. And, you know, recruits aren't going to come there. I mean, with, with the way the conditions are now. So, um, you know, whether you have a great plan, a great system, um, all, all the things, I mean, you, you've got to be able to recruit and get some of these big-time kids to come to Vanderbilt. What do you think when you hear him uh, at an SEC media day proclaim that they're going to be a dominant program in the country and not really mention that the, the ball needs to start rolling with, uh, you know, an SEC win for the first time in 22 games. Well, I mean, what else are you going to say? Hey, guys, we're trying to win three games. I mean, that's that's not going to help anything. So, I mean, I mean, he's pinned up against the wall. Like, he's got one he's got one option to say, hey, we're going to be dominant. We're going to work our butts off. We're going to recruit well. You know, we love our coaches. We love this, this, and this. That's, that's all you can say. How close are you with Tannehill? Um, because you, you replaced him in Miami when he went down with that injury. Um, yeah. I, did you interact with him at all that season in Miami? Yeah, he was in every meeting. He was there. He was there throughout. He'd come. He, he helped me. You know, he helped me kind of get to know all the guys, what they did, what they were good at, what they you know needed work on. So he was, uh, he was, he was right there in the mix. Good dude. I, I was happy to see, uh, him, you know, get paid here and, and, and do well. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because it seems like they're putting more and more on his shoulders. And I think last year was kind of a transition for him uh, of an offense. You know, you get a different play call and it's a whole different world. And I think you kind of saw that last year with how they called plays. And, you know, they put him in more situations to throw the ball downfield where, you know, the year before that they were a lot of play action, run the ball. So 
it's going to be interesting. I think they're probably, if I was them, I'd go back and look at the last two years and be like, all right, this is what we did really well these last two years. Let's continue down this path. Yeah, load up on on two tight instead of 11 personnel. Then you get back yeah, to that. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, I think that's what kind of kicked them last year. It's a lot of 11, um, a, lot of, a lot of spinning the ball down the field. And I, I think Ryan does really, really well, um, you know, with the play action. And then and he can throw it. But, you know, I, I think that's where they, they kind of messed up a little bit last year. Are you are you still wanting to do uh, television uh, or more t- more TV um, broadcast wise with all these different networks now of streaming? Uh, um, are you looking into that as well? Talk to Amazon a little bit. Um, talk to maybe CBS. Um, you know, I would do it. I think it would have to be the right fit for me. Um, but I mean, I think there's so many guys out there now right now that want to do it. So you know, I talked to Greg about it. You know, he's kind of the number one dude with Fox now. And then, you know, Brady signed that big deal. So there's just, there's a lot of competition out there. And I think, you know, with Amazon, I think everyone kind of is waiting to see, you know, where does direct TV ticket go? Um, you know, how does the NFL start placing some of these games with all these different streaming and, and TV networks? So um, I would do it, uh, you know, but I mean, I've got a full plate now. Yeah. All this other. Did you ever get invited on Steven Ross's yacht? Like Brady was invited <laughs> on the yacht or no? I never got that one. Yeah, man, I was hoping for I was hoping for a great story in. from the yacht. Yeah, you were already in. He didn't need to court you. Yeah, he was. I was. I was. I was already there. <laughs> Jay Cutler has been our guest. Great to catch up with you, man. And uh, we, by all means, if you're looking for someone to try cigars, uh, let me know. Um, yeah, I will send some over there. I think uh, they got in last week um from the dominican um they're phenomenal i'll, I'll get some over to you and clay and, and, and the whole crew that's awesome hey, we really enjoyed it thanks appreciate you man thanks jay appreciate watching. he's doing a great job with outsider um, and uh you can check out the work and uh follow him on twitter jay has tweets coming up we have complaints primary complaint next to now kick 360 Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Coming up, we reminisce on the life and career of Vince Scully. Looking forward to chatting with Steve Garvey. He will be on in eight minutes as we broadcast live. Outkick 360, 6th and Peabody, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Will Power of uh, IndyCar will be in studio with us. He's the current points leader. That's coming up in just over an hour from right now. Right now, well, it's time for primary complaint. Guys, I'll kick it off. Uh, I, my, my primary, primary complaint this week is the, the breaking news or the just-in reports of guys in the NFL who will not be playing in the preseason opener for their team. There was a tweet that came down last night, treat, like treated as news, that Tom Brady will not be playing in the preseason week one game as the Bucs take, take on Miami. Um, it's treated as news because of the news yesterday tying him to the Dolphins. But he wasn't going to play anyway. And I'm tired of acting like starters play. Starters in Chicago are going to play. 
But the big time relevant guys who expect to be playing in January do not play in preseason games of August. That's my primary it's complaint. Big news if he is playing. Put a headline yeah. on that. Tell me if they are playing, not if they're not playing. I'm assuming the starters aren't playing unless there's breaking news that they are. That's where we are in the sport now. So my primary complaint, go ahead and put it up on the screen, guys. It's a number I want to share with everyone because I see this number at least five times a day. I've blocked it. <laughs> I've tried to report it. I've done everything that I can to get this damn number to stop trying to scam me. It comes across, even on my old iPhone, as scam likely. And that number that I want everyone to call right now is 615-640-8259. Some number based out of Eagleville, Tennessee. Please. I bet someone's phone in here rings. Harass this number the way they harass me. All's fair in love and war, and I am declaring war on this number right now, and they are my primary complaint. I'm in. Sleep, sleepy Danny's phone will ring. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it'll be, wake him up. That would be terrific. My primary complaint, and I don't know if this is unavoidable because I understand the desire for a touchless water faucet, but I am against a, uh, a faucet to wash your hands in, a sink, that doesn't let you have any say in the temperature of the water that comes out of said sink. I would like to yeah. dictate the temperature of the water. And I don't know about the touchless water faucet that uh, if there's a combination of a touchless sink that also is going to let me dictate the water. I think you could maybe move, you know, maybe I could touch over here for a little colder and over here for a little hotter or something of that method. But otherwise, I'd rather be able to touch it and dictate the water temperature. Please. I want the temperature I want. I fully agree. It's a little cooler than most people seem to want. Hit us with your primary complaint at Outkick360 on Twitter. Coming up, Steve Garvey joins us, Dodgers legend. He discusses the legend, Vin Scully, his idol. We kick off hour number two next on Outkick 360.